Welcome back to the Lifted Warrior podcast, where once a week I impart wisdom and strength about topics concerning daily struggles and Christian values with biblical foundations. We're still in our Modeled After Jesus series. Um, We're coming up to the end of it. This particular episode, we're talking about submission. Last week, we wrapped up um, being able to tear down improper theology and moving on from that. Now that you've torn down that improper theology, it's time to go ahead and submit yourself properly to the right thinking of God, the right wording of God, the right principles of God, all of those things. Um, In this talk, in this episode, we're going to talk about the dangers of not being submitted to, to your word, but then also some of the benefits. And then lastly, how you can implement this in your personal walk. So let's go ahead and kick it off. So as we start this thing off, I think it's really important that we first get a proper understanding of what submission is. Um, And the English dictionary puts it as the action or fact of accepting or yielding to a superior force or to the will or authority of another. Um, But then if you look at the Strong's like Bible dictionary, what it says that it is, is to obey, be subject to arrange order or to subordinate. In today's culture of Christianity, um, there are a lot of people who have understanding of scripture, a lot of people who have even, you know, a deeply rooted theology of what proper um, Christianity looks like. However, they don't submit themselves to that thing. They don't decide to submit their life, to live their life in a way that that shows that they understand this thing and shows that they live um, not for themselves, but towards a greater purpose, towards a greater um, being other than themselves. And a lot of times they, they know, right, but they would rather openly live in rebellion over being accountable and submitted to the truth that they have already received through the revelation of the scripture. Right. And there's two really dangerous things with rebellion. The first one is the penalty of sin and the effects that it has on your life. Um, We know that sin not only produces like a physical death, but it produces spiritual death. It produces death of your future, death of, you know, different things that you would have been able to come into had you completely submitted yourself to Christ and followed his will for your life. But then it also opens you up to be attacked by other, other things. Being in rebellion opens you up to spiritual attack. It opens you up to demonic attack. It opens you up to oppression. It opens you up to schisms and, you know, being double-minded and having two voices warring in your head on a daily basis. Another uh, danger of rebellion or living a rebellion to the scripture is when you have a proper understanding of something, but you choose not to follow that thing and you choose to do wrong instead of following it and instead of doing right, your consequence is greater than someone who doesn't necessarily know the truth. And to further like prove this, if you look at two kids, right? And one of them is older. They have a little bit more wisdom than the other one of, of what's wrong and what's right. And the other one is still just learning, right? The older one knows not to write on the wall. He's been told plenty of times he, you know, knows where he's supposed to put his his writing, his scribble, whatever it is. But the younger one who just may be following the older person doesn't know fully yet because they don't even really know how to write that they're not supposed to write on the wall. So when these two kids get caught by their parent, who do you think is going to get the worst punishment? 
it's always going to be the one who already knows that I'm not supposed to write on the wall. But not only am I not supposed to write on the wall, I'm now that I know that I'm not supposed to write on the wall, I'm supposed to set the standard for my younger sibling. That person has a greater consequence than the one who has not yet learned that they're not supposed to be writing on the wall because they have proper understanding, but they chose not to follow it. So where the younger one is going to get teaching is going to get correction on what he should be doing. The older one, the one who knows better, is then going to be getting consequences for his actions. And now I don't want to be just giving you doom and gloom or or try to scare you into being submitted to your word, because if I scare you into it, it's not going to last. It's got to be something that you understand the benefits of it as well. Right. So the first true benefit, I'm going to give you four is freedom, protection, peace and blessing. But the first one, freedom, when you're completely submitted to the word of God um, and the law of the law of his his commands, it gives you freedom and peace not to have to make everything happen, right? And I, another quick example to really give you context on this one is I have a three-year-old daughter. If I tell her that, hey, if you be good for the rest of the day, if you listen to us, if you don't you know, have too many meltdowns, at the end of the day, I'm going to get you a present. If I tell her that the responsibility of getting that present, then it's not on her. The responsibility of getting that present is on me. Her responsibility and only responsibility is to follow the word that I said. So now she has freedom and knowing that if she continues to just listen to the words that I give, that the promise shall remain true. And the same is for you in Christ. If you remain true to the word that God gives you, if you remain true to the to the to the commands that he gives you, to the law that he lays out before you, then the promises that he has for you, the promises that he has, the promises that are hanging over your head, the good that he has promised you in his word has to come to pass. You don't have to labor for it. He's simply going to direct you into it. The second thing is protection. A lot of time people see the laws or commands of God as things that are limiting us and not things that are put in place to protect us. Right. But that's the furthest thing from the truth. We know that God being a good God, being a loving God, he wants the best things for us. He wants to nurture us and comfort us, but then also he wants to bless us. And so when he gives you something that you shouldn't be doing or tells you something that you should watch out for, it's not to limit your life. It's not to limit what you're able to do. It's not to put you in a box. It's meant to do exactly the opposite and giving you freedom, but then also giving you protection. God being all knowing, God being all him being omniscient, he knows what's good and what's not for us. But just as Adam and Eve did in the garden, like we begin to know things and then we think that we have better understanding of our situation than what God has. We think in our limited understanding, in our limited time, in our limited place, not being able to see the future, that we have a better understanding, a better grasp on our life than what God has. But that's not the case. We don't have any grasp on our life. The Bible tells us who who worries is able to add one year to his life. Nobody. So why then, if we know that we can't add anything to our life, even just by our worrying, why do we think we know better Then God, when he gives us commands, instead of looking at those commands that God gives us as things to put us in a box, we have to look at it as he's protecting us the same way you would protect your child, the same way you would protect someone you love by telling them, hey, don't go down that street. It's somebody who wants to hurt you down there. 
God is doing the same thing with us or don't do this because it may it may feel good in the moment. The repercussions behind it are greater than what you can see up front. Third, the next thing that it's going to add to you is peace. It's going to give you peace of mind. The reason being, it's hard to quantify this and I can get really deep into it, but I'm not. The simplest way that I can explain this is when you know you are you're following the plan of God on your life, when you know that you're living a life submitted to him, all hell can be breaking out around you. But you will have a peace in knowing that because God is a strong tower because he cares for you, because he has has your best interest at heart, that no matter what you go through, no matter how, what pain you, you you experience, no matter what, what you may face, being submitted to him, you know that he is going to eat, he's going to see you through it. He's going to stop it or he's going to give you the power to stop it yourself. So following him, being submitted to your word is also going to give you peace. And from that peace, the, the fourth thing is going to be blessing. And I'm not saying that by being submitted, it causes God to bless you. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that God being a good God, he knows exactly the way to bless you and when to bless you. He's already looked at the entire expanse of your life, the entirety of what you've called, been called to do. And he's already strategically placed every blessing that you would need. When you begin to walk outside of his will for your life, walk outside of the being submitted to his word, then what would have took you three years to get to now takes you 10 because you're walking in circles around the very thing that he would have blessed you with in three years. But because you were being disobedient to his word and wanting to do your own thing, just like the children of Israel, you're wandering in the desert. So following God's plan for your life, following what he wants to do in you is going to add blessing to your life because it's going, God is going to directly take you to exactly what he wants for you. So knowing some of the dangers, some of the pitfalls, but also some of the blessing that living a submitted life to the word of God and to God is for you. How did Jesus himself live a submitted life? In Matthew chapter four is the first one that I want to look at. We're only going to look at two things, but the first one's in Matthew chapter four. And as Jesus is being tempted after coming from fasting in the, in the wilderness, what he remains faithful to is the word. Now, we all know that Jesus himself is the word made flesh. So when he's resisting the devil, he could have easily just said, hey, I'm not doing that. I know better than that. Um, he could have said what you're saying is wrong. He could have said what you're saying is faulty. He could have said, I know that you're Satan. Just get behind me. But no, what does Jesus say? What does what, what does Jesus do when he's combating the devil, when he's combating the tempter, when he's being tempted? He says, it is written. Very simply, he just goes back and refers to things that have already been laid out. Now, if Jesus being fully God and being the word made flesh didn't say, I'm not going to do that, but said it is written and referred to the word. How much more do we have to submit our lives? How much more do we have to use the word as a form of submission, but also a form of resisting the tempter in order to make sure that we stay in a place where we can live a life fulfilling to the call that God has put on us? Another great thing that this shows us is that even in times of great need, we can always fall back on the word. Now, Jesus was extremely hungry. This man had fasted for 40 days. He's hungry. It ain't no, ain't no, 
if ands or buts about that which is why the first thing that the devil or the tempter tempted him with was with bread to feed that that fleshly hunger however in that greatest time of need what stood up and was able to hold him was the word. So that that's another benefit of it. When you don't know how to stand on your own, when your own need becomes so great that that you're wanting to fall over and, and give in to the temptation that 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 is being brought up to you, the word will be lifted up out of you and it will be able to stand without you even having to focus on what what you are going to say or what you're going to do in order to withstand the temptation that is coming towards you. The second thing that I really want to look at is John chapter six, verse eight. And it says, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Why this is so important is because in today's society, especially in America, but there's other nations too, we live in a democracy. We don't truly understand what kingdom looks like, what um, what it means to have a king and live under his subjection. But if we look at the life of Jesus and if we look at this verse here, it is a strong example of what that means. It means my life is not my own. It, it shows that I myself am not able to do what I just what I please, but I have been sent with orders under a under the rule and under the under the authority of a of a king. And I must do what he has sent me here to do. We know that we are just passing by in this earth. We know that we are just here for a short vapor of a moment. And we are spiritual beings passing through this earthly realm. So once we truly understand that God is the king of our lives and of our being, it makes it easier to follow him knowing that I have a king that I have to report back to. And this even, you know, plays even further part of, you know, the Bible says that a righteous man plans his ways, but it's the Lord who establishes him. Meaning that you know, we can plan our life and set goals and have aspirations, but it's up to God to establish those. So it's much easier, if, you know, just go ahead and submit to the plan that God has for you versus taking all these years and striving and and putting in all this extra work and, you know, grinding and doing all these things in order to achieve something that you were never meant to achieve in the first place. We have so many people who could be much further along in life. If they weren't chasing the dream of another person, excuse me, not dream. If they weren't tra- chasing the purpose of another man, if you would truly submit to the word of God and the purpose of God that he has in your life, you're going to find freedom. You're going to find blessing. You're going to find peace. You're going to find protection in that, not just in what God wants to do in you and through you, but also just in your personal peace. You can stop chasing after what the next man has. You can stop living a covetous life where you, you're you wanting what your neighbor has. So you, you see something that your neighbor has and now you want that thing, but you can fully focus your eyes on acknowledging God, on living a life sold out to him and allowing him to bring in everything else that you're supposed to have. The second thing as it concerns, you know, what the scripture shows is that if you look at the life of Jesus, he was able to accomplish so much in short and so short of a time because he was always focused on living a life submitted to his purpose and living a life submitted to the word of God. What that means for you is you can do so much more than what you're currently seeing if your focus, if your purpose is submitted 
to the word of God, if it's submitted to the authority of God, you could do so much more in so much little time because you're going to free yourself from so much wasted time. You're going to free yourself from so much wasted energy, wasted opportunity, wasted things because you're focused on what God has for you. So you'll begin to see that what would have normally taken you five plus years, God will speed that up. And now you're, now you're accomplishing those things in six months or a year because you're living completely submitted to him. And now the things that would normally work against you are now working in your favor because God has the power to turn things in your favor that were meant to work against you. The Bible says that he makes all things work for the good of those who, who love him. So as you submit yourself and show your love in that way, he's able to turn assistance into your favor. However, not doing that, not living submitted. Now you're you're constantly working against things. I don't know who I'm talking to. I might just be talking to myself on this, but I really feel this. You're constantly working against things because you haven't truly submitted to God properly. Once you truly submit to him and what he wants to do in your life, then you'll begin to see the assistance come in. You'll begin to see the the effort of your of your turning begin to turn into progress versus you've been in the same place over and over and over again. Going from there, right? Three practical ways that you can submit yourself to God and the word of God. The first one is to read your word. There's no way you can submit yourself to God, to his word, to your purpose if you don't understand one, his heart, but then two, the things that he has put in place in order for us to follow. So that that's going to take some some you getting past yourself. It's going to take some you not giving into the fact that, oh, I don't want to do it today or I got so much other stuff on my plate. You know, I just didn't didn't have time to get to it. No, you you you, you got to make this your priority so that you know exactly what it is that you should be doing and exactly what it is that you should not be focusing on. Secondly, acknowledge God in all that you do. Something that's been really powerful powerful for me as it concerns, um, you know, just acknowledging God in all of my ways and all of these things following me is the fact that acknowledging him is not just going to him before you do something. Acknowledging him is putting God at the center of your life. And allowing all that you do be birthed out of your relationship with him. Without God at the center of my life, I can't love my wife properly. Without God at the center of my life, I can't love my daughter properly. Without God at the center of my life, I can't do my job properly. Without God at the center of my life, I can't I can't go through a day properly because I'll lend myself to things that are unfruitful. I'll lend myself to things that are not beneficial to the purpose that God has placed on my life. And I'll lend myself to things that that just downright go against what God plans to do within me. So I have to take a stop. I have to take a break, make sure that I put God at the center of my heart and allow my relationship with him to breathe on everything else that I do, everything else that I become. And lastly, when you mess up, repent, give yourself, give yourself enough room for grace and for repentance. As you begin to submit yourself to the word of God, as you begin to submit yourself to the plans that God has on your life, it's not going to always be easy. It's not going to always be something that you, you do properly. You're going to mess up. 
you're going to fall. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but gets back up. That meaning you're going to fall a complete number of times until you're able to understand and truly grasp what it is that God is trying to hammer home in that season. So give yourself some grace. No man can live a perfect life. Only only one that could live perfect was Jesus. And he was, ironically, he gave the most grace. So give yourself some grace. You're going to mess up, but get up. Repent, which means to turn away from that thinking. Don't just say, God, I'm sorry, and go do it again. Get up, repent, turn away from that thinking, turn away from that thing that you did, figure out the root of it, and then begin to live, put in things in place in order to live that submitted life that we're striving after. And again, it's impossible to live a life pleasing to God without an aspect of submission. Jesus himself lived his whole entire life submitted. And if he had to live submitted, so do you. So as we wrap up, guys, this was this was fun. I enjoyed this. I, I really enjoyed this episode. This is my challenge to you this week is to find someone in your local community who you think shows a good example of what it means to be submitted like Christ himself was submitted and ask them for more practical tips on how they got there. And hey, if you don't have a mentor, if you don't have anybody who who can actively speak into your life, who can actively show you where you need help, who can actively show you the areas that you know, you may be slipping, even ask them to, to be something like that to you. Ask them to be a, a brother, ask them to be a friend, ask them to be a mentor. But most importantly, ask them how they got there. Ask them for tips on how they, how they live the submitted life. Thank you guys for stopping by and listening through the podcast. If you want to continue to build your foundation in Christ, I need you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button to make sure you don't miss any episodes. Also, if you would like to support the ministry, just click the link in the description. Until next week, stay lifted.